The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hey there, Thunder Buddies and Travellers down Thunder Road. It's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, your entrepreneur upon Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I am joined, as I am every week, by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, I believe you're sick as a small hospital, can you confirm? I can confirm. Um, I probably sound a bit different. I probably... I, w- I want to say I'll be more relaxed. I won't. I'll end up getting fired up about something within yep. within moments, no doubt. Yep. Um, but yes, I am very sick. Unlike Joe Lanza, I do get the flu. Yeah. Um, the- do you have or do you not have a supple neck? I mean, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, that that might be the problem. It's the, the, the neck suppleness that, that keeps you immune to the flu, I think. That, you could be onto something there. Yeah. That, that, that warrants further investigation. Um, but yeah, I mean, just like Cody Rhodes, I'm going to tough it out. I'm here to do my job. I'm trying to make Big Papa Rich Cage proud. <laughs> We're just working through it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was actually, funny enough, in our off week um, of recording, because we recorded a whole bunch to get ready for June 1st. More on that in a couple of minutes. Um, we recorded a whole bunch very quickly together and pretty much it was like right afterwards my immune system was like oh you're you're not recording this week and you're going on holidays at the end of this week I'm going to give you your first cold in three years mm-hmm. so um, it's a weird feeling um, like you know because uh, you know we talked on the show about how I had COVID last month but it's weird getting sick now because so long, like, this is the greatest advertisement for the fact that the masks fucking work through this entire pandemic. I was just going to say, I'm putting it down to the fact that I've worn a mask for the majority of the last two and a half years, and now for the last, what, two, three months, really been slacking on it. Yeah. And plus, uh, I, I visited your part of the country and mis- mysteriously ended up very sick, so... It, literally, you, you visited my hometown while I was away, and, and while you were in said town, you got the same dose 
that uh, I had been suffering with several days beforehand. So it's definitely it's a bit of a petri dish, is, mm-hmm. is the the fine borough of Newbridge. Um, but speaking of travels, sir, um, let's talk. Uh, let's just let's talk about a new departure we made starting june 1st eh that, that was... what, what about that for a professional segue <laughs> you want to talk about a clunky takeoff <laughs> no i am fucking we are cruising in this baby now um so since the last time we appeared on a regular show we have launched the days of thunder patreon which you can find at patreon.com forward slash wcw thunder pod and i look i don't intend for the start of every podcast to be a big um like you're all going to have to sit through 15 minutes about why the Patreon is great or anything like that. You, I, might, not, I think, you might not intend that, but I absolutely do. Yeah. <laughs> Ever the shill, Liam alone. Um, we will do, we will obviously, because it's, it's, it's paying to keep the lights on over here. We will do some plugs here and there um, for the Patreon, but I really don't want to um, force it down people's throats too much. But I, I feel like this is maybe... I just want to talk for a couple of minutes about it this week because, you know, it launched and it it was a huge thing for us to do. We've been talking about it privately. Well, we've been talking about it privately as a joke for a long oh, we, time. We, we like, joked from the beginning. We were like, God, imagine us doing a Patreon. It'd be so funny. Yeah. Anytime we had an idea that was like too dumb for public consumption, our joke was like, well, we'll keep that one for the Patreon. Um, and then maybe like... Was it the start of last year? Maybe we we started talking to each other about it for real. Maybe yeah, we can look into it post pandemic or whatever it was. I I feel like the support we have around us now at Voices of Wrestling has really made us feel comfortable. Like it's still a scary thing because mm-hmm. you're essentially you're essentially putting yourself out onto the market uh, and letting people decide whether you're worth supporting financially. And and that is, I think. As much as this isn't, you know, our shoot job or anything like that, it's still, as a creative endeavor, as our baby, it's a tough thing. It's it's kind of, you're making yourself vulnerable in yeah, a way. L- let me just say, if our patronage dips below a certain point, I will be busting out the notes app. <laughs> I will be busting out the nudes. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, nothing's off limits. Um, <laughs> but I will be getting out the notes app and telling people that what my worth really is. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Um, but I, I think, like, so we're recording this just about at the end of our first week on Patreon. And, and Lee, I, I think I can speak for both of us when I say we've been blown away with the support we've gotten from the Thunder Buddies. Oh, unbelievable. I mean, for the first, I want to say, like, 48 hours, we were just messaging back and forth going, I can't believe this. This is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Um, Look, we're not Chapo Trap House uh, numbers, but we're kind of, we laid the stall out. We'll always be transparent about our business with you guys. And like, we have very, very modest goals with this. We want enough to pay for Zoom so we can keep chatting to each other without having to reach into our pockets to to make the show. We, uh, like a kind of personal stretch goal was we love to be able to just pay for the network sub for the podcast so that we don't have to feel like we're giving Vince McMahon our own personal cash. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the kind of the ultimate goal was to have like a little extra to keep aside for either real dumb ideas down the line or to upgrade tech to make the show sound and look better. Um, By real dumb ideas, you mean booking Kevin Sullivan. Uh, of course, of course. Or not? Sorry, um, not Kevin Sullivan, Father James Mitchell. Oh my God! I would actually, uh, God, like 
get a cameo of him singing the the E17 song yeah, to, to open the show. That's it. 100%. Um, but yeah, no, we've been blown away by by not just the support of people who have, you know, put the, the couple of euro, the couple of Europeans down to, to support us, become patrons, um, but also just the kind of the general goodwill amongst our, our friends and our followers online that even if they weren't going to follow this month or straight away themselves, that there was a lot of people we saw spreading the word and wishing us luck with it and everything. And um, a special word of thanks to... Um, one of the big bosses here, Rich Crate, who was really, really supportive and kind of was a good guy to to shoot, you know, our our thoughts and our feelings about how we thought we were doing um, in the DMs. He was really, really helpful, helped us out by putting up that article on the Voices of Wrestling website about our launch. And, you know, they've they've been amazing. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. All that being said, Dave, I'm going to show what, what, what we in the business, Dave, we call a teaser. Yeah. So how's this for a teaser? Uh, well, well, firstly, do you do you want to before you before you tease what's to come? Do you do you want to tell them what you know the people who haven't signed on yet? Do you want to tell them what we had on our first week? That it look, it, guys, it's still earlier in the month, and the earlier in the month you subscribe, if you're thinking about it, the more bang for your book you get. What what have we had so far, buddy? So so far we've had a fast or uh, cast and the Cur- furious. Easy for me to say in my second state mm-hmm. um i believe it's number six uh yes it is Can't. it's the one with the world's longest runway yes um that's dave jack and chris mm-hmm. breaking down fast and furious six and they have broken down all the previous five movies as well and i believe they're going to do all ten yes including Hobson Shaw. Uh, oh yes, oh hundred percent. Spinoffs included, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that those shows will always go up for free on the Patreon as a nice little way to incentivize you to show you what's available. Um, mm-hmm. But our first proper Patreon show exclusive was um, rehash of the champions, where I take the lead on the show for once, and leads Dave through all of the Clash of Champions, starting with the very famous nineteen eighty eight Sting Ric Flair forty five minute draw. And I have to, I have to say, the feedback we've gotten on that so far from the patrons, again, blown us away. Yeah, and I, I think like without spoiling too much of what's on that show, um, we very much enjoyed ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and we think like we were happy with it. For you know, when you pilot a new idea for a program, sometimes it can be a bit like rough around the edges. Um, but. I, it's one of the ones that we hung up the call and we were both very happy with what we did for our first show. So I, I think the listeners so far have have borne that out, that it is a good a good show. And hopefully if you subscribe today, you will also think so. So here's, here's your teaser. The second show, the second Patreon exclusive show for this month is, as has been said, a drafts and drafts with Lee. Um... And I can exclusively reveal what the draft we will be doing is. Oh. So if this is up your alley, you have to subscribe at patreon.com forward slash WCW Thunderpod. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Nailed it first time. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So the draft we will be doing, and Dave doesn't know this. Yeah, no, this is all fresh information to me. I was writing a post on Patreon where I teased what's coming up for the month ahead. And I literally wrote, in a, I, I don't know. He's not telling me. So... My idea is that in March 2001, both ECW and WCW closed. So I am stipulating that 
I will make a master list of everybody who appeared on WCW or ECW television and pay-per-view between the months of January and March of 2001. And we will each relaunch WCW using those combined rosters. Long live the Alliance, brother. Yes, we are going to reboot the Alliance as our own companies. Hmm. Now again, are we? Yeah, so we're we're making this a an independent pay per view. We're yes. not rebooking the invasion. No, no, no. We are we okay. are going to relaunch. We got the fusion money. We got the time yeah. slots on Turner. Okay. So we will draft wrestlers. We will draft announcers. Yeah. We might even draft arenas. Who knows? Ooh, I can't wait for this one. I'm really. I have no idea what form this show is going to take i've really only taken part in a couple of wrestling drafts like on in twitter groups and Mm -hmm. things like that over the years so as a relative novice i i can't wait to be brought through this it's it's going to be a good time i think i can't remember if i won one of the brit rest roundtable drafts but i'm going to say i did because yeah i absolutely did rewrite history anyway so yeah nobody that listens to that show listens to us yeah um the other thing I want to say is we, we also put up a post on there that's just kind of teasing what's coming up um, in the immediate future. So not only, you know, what Lee just said with drafts and drafts, but we also on there revealed what our two... Um, what are alternatives? Our, our, our next two, like they're not the only two, but our next two uh, miniseries ideas that will be filling that uh, rotating second Patreon podcast per month slot. Um, what they're going to be. And I have... I'm very excited about it. The feedback has been very positive. Um, and for one of them, I will say this, because I think we're going to say it publicly before the show comes out. Um, one of them is going to involve an element of uh, listener participation in voting which of a number of contenders we will be watching for this series. So if you want to take part in that, again, the earlier in the month you subscribe, the better. Um, so check us out on there and we really hope you enjoy it. We've got some other bits and bobs coming like my um, my spreadsheet of my, my star ratings of matches I've been watching lately and, you know, I have some ideas for like some stuff for our grab bag week of random stuff at the end of the month um, as well. So uh, stay tuned, I guess. Our, our grab bag idea is to give away the uh, announcements from other Patreons just so you don't yeah. change over. Yeah. Oh, my God. Over on the other Patreon, you'll never guess what those grapple boys are doing. Uh, <laughs> shout out, Benno and JP. Um, hey, Lee, speaking of things that we talked about on Patreon this week. Let's segue into snack talk because uh, as part of one of my my posts, my community posts on there, um, I gave some pictures, some preview pictures of what was going to, what snack talk this week was going to center around. So you took a trip to my borough and you tried some nice food. I did. Uh, I took my first trip out of the country since 16 Carrot 2020. Um, and I went to, to London and I had quite a time food-wise, so let's do some snack talk, brother. Hit me with yours first, because you went to one of my favourite burger places around my area. I did. I went to uh, JRB's, which is not too far from where I believe you live. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, I got what, oh God, what's it called? A farmhouse burger, is that what it was? Yeah. Um, so you've got a big half, I think it's a half pound patty. It could be a quarter pound, it could be a half pound. Again, my head is fuzzy at the moment. <laughs> Lots. Um, it's big. 
you get mm. pulled pork, you get bacon, and you get a fried egg. Yeah. As oh sorry, and fried onions. Mm-hmm. My God, this thing was monstrous. Yeah. And let now, me tell you, I devoured yeah. it. I was gonna say, did you put it down? Oh, absolutely. Good man, good man. Uh, I'm a big advocate of the smokehouse burger. There, that is like replace the uh, the pulled pork and the egg with just more bacon yeah. in that same amount of space. That's <laughs> pretty much what you're dealing with there. And barbecue sauce. Like, they they have their own in-house barbecue sauce. You know a place is good when they make their own barbecue sauce. I, I will say, when we went into the restaurant or the bar, um, there was two two women sitting at a table, and there was two pasta bowls on the table. And, I mean, I've seen trophies given out smaller than these bowls. Yeah, the, the, the pasta bowls are absolutely enormous. I mean, you could swim in these things. Yeah, yeah. This is you are getting you are getting quantity for your uh, your price there, and the quality is quite high as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not one over the other. Um, so I went to a festival when I was there. I went to the the Slam Dunk Festival, which is kind of like a, a pop punk uh, alternative rock festival. Um, and en route there, the first place we had food wasn't at the festival. Um, it was a place that I believe is a small chain in London or in the UK in general called Patty and Bun, okay. which, as you might expect, is a burger place. Um, and I had I had the Smoky Robinson, which is basically their barbecue bacon cheeseburger with just a mountain of sautéed onions on it. And um, I think like there was like a their own spiced mayo was on it and. Then that was so that was good. That was that was pretty damn good. I'm giving that a, like a, a seven five out of ten. Um, if it's just by itself, but wait till you hear what I had with it, Lee. I had parmesan and brisket gravy fries. Wow, such a decadent combination has never been seen on on snack talk, not once in my life. And and how did you feel after you? I'm assuming finished all of this. I this is the thing. So much of it, like the burger was maybe about the size of the standard Five Guys burger, mm. that the single patty Five Guys burger, and the the plate of the fries was a, absolutely fucking enormous. So I was kind of concerned that I I had bitten off more than I can chew. Well, Lee, you could have put that plate back on the shelf by the end. I polished it. <laughs> It was it was delicious. Like you know, one of those where you eat all the food and all that's left on the the plate is like a little bit of gravy, and you're still kind of using the fork or the spoon yeah. to scrape the gravy off long after it's polite to have stopped eating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 what I was doing with that one. So we were already off to a flyer there, and then we went to a festival. Um, and so the thing that I like about the modern festival is like when we were kids, Lee, and we were going to music festivals, it was like you were lucky if there was a four out of ten burger and chip van at a festival. Mm-hmm. But at some point around like the the early 2010s, people just started getting notions. I know I was going to Electric Picnic, which is kind of like the boutique music and arts festival, they call it in Ireland. Um and that had started getting like different things like, oh, there's a pad thai van there. Here's a kind of weird pancakes place. Here's a hog roast. Here's, you know, we do kangaroo burgers in this one. And it seems like that has radiated out to most festivals now, which is great. Um, which means that even 
you know, the the music at the festival, it was more, you know, Emma's kind of thing than mine. I still enjoyed myself and it was a good time and it was great buzz to be at a festival. But, oh my God, was the food what I'm just still constantly talking about. <laughs> my, fir- my first meal at this festival was perhaps the three greatest words in the English language combined, Lee. Yorkshire pudding wrap. Okay, so you need to break this down for me because I love a Yorkshire pudding. I love a wrap. Yeah. Okay. So... This is a Yorkshire pudding, roughly the size of a dinner plate. Okay. Lightly cooked to the point where it's still kind of malleable. Still doughy, yeah. And it's it's wrapped around the contents of varying kinds of roast dinner. Now, because it was my first ever one, and I didn't, I hadn't looked at any of the other vans yet, and I was like, "There's a possibility if there's nothing great here, I'll come back for a second one as my dinner." Because we were there literally all day. Mm. There was a chance for two full meals and and some snacks. Um, so I got fairly bog standard early on. I got just what they call just the Yorkshire pudding wrap. And I say just. Wait till you hear this. So inside in the Yorkshire pudding wrap, there was your choice of either pork or turkey. I went pork. Gravy. Roast potatoes that were uh, chopped and sautéed. Um... Did I say gravy? You did say. I think you said gravy, but you can never say gravy enough. I, yeah, there was there was a lot of gravy. Um, stuffing and veg, and it was like fresh kind of garden veg, not like, you know, mm-hmm. overcooked granny's veg that just tastes like water, water and yeah, is yeah. mushy. That's been boiled, yeah. yeah. This is perfectly like still a bit crisp to the carrot, and it was like carrot peas and I think a little bit of sweet corn in it. Um, and it was just phenomenal. Now, they went when you went down there was like a mixed meat one that would have like um turkey pork and bacon in it there was a pigs in blanket one that was um like sausage bacon stuffing roast potatoes like roast potatoes stuffing veg and gravy were like the base that's on all of them and then just how much, how much meat do you want? How much and what combination of meat is the only question after that? And then you could add like different kinds of sauces depending on what the, the meat you had. So like there was cranberry sauce, there was apple sauce, there was mint sauce, different things like that that you can add a drizzle of on top before they wrap it up for you. Like a, it's basically wrapped like a burrito. Um, and it was just... I'd say this, was, this sounds like the best subway I've never been to. Oh my God, like tears rolling down my cheeks, uh, enjoying this bad boy. It was phenomenal. Um, We then went to a donut place, shout out to them, Project D they're called. It seems like they're in the, you know, if you're in the UK and you go to a festival, they seem like this is their their bag. And I had a Lost in Galaxy, which was like a a sparkly Um, caramel ring donut with about half a bar of Galaxy Caramel stuff to it. right now, yeah. Yeah, and like uh, golden coated rice krispies. Okay, is that with a jammy dodger on top? That yeah. So Emma's one was the jammy D, which had like an entire jammy dodger and then crushed up jammy dodger all around the ring of oh, the donut. God. Yeah, so that was that. Then for dinner, I had um, just just a, like a chicken burger that could take down a Boeing, <laughs> the size of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, with some was it oregano fries I think um, no rosemary fries it was oregano fries I had the following day my god Dave that that's you had quite a decadence yeah Saturday. I will say 
I will say, by the way, uh, there was a vegetarian option for the the Yorkshire pudding wrap, which Emma got because she's vegetarian, and it was like a like one of those deluxe Linda McCartney sausages. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for her dinner, she had um, a, a vegetarian hot dog, which was like made from this synthesized from wheat and soya protein, so it wasn't just like a standard corn one or anything like that. I, I think and it that's was just the covered picture in... you put up, is it? Yeah, and yeah. it's covered in like lashings of of onions and 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 all bits and pieces like mm-hmm. that. Um, and then for dessert, like I had the classic ninety nine. Um, Emma had a ninety nine covered in sherbet, which was something I hadn't I'd heard before. Never heard of that. Yeah. Um, and she described it as a very unusual sensation. It's like both sweet and bitter and cooling, but fizzy, like all at the same time. Um, so, some say then, that's my podcasting style. Hey, and then the following day we went to a pub in uh, like a gastro pub in in Walthamstow, um, and I took down uh, one final burger because now I, I'm back on the the eating healthy buzz. So it's like I don't get burgers are one thing that it's very hard to, yeah. <laughs> if you're trying to like trying to count healthy. calories or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, so I was going absolutely bananas on the burgers this weekend, and, and that's when I had my organo fries as well. Did, did you see a friend of the show, Jack Lazell? I did, friend of the show and co-host of Cast and Furious, Jack Lazell. We had the biggest hug because I haven't seen that guy since the summer before COVID in person. It's crazy. Um, it was a hell of a reunion. And he had a calzone. And when I say that the calzone was made from a pizza the size of a hubcap, I am not exaggerating. And Jack Lazell finished that. No problem. I have no doubt he did. I just have, I just have this image of you showing up and Jack just having a random calzone in his hand. I'll give you a tease for uh, Cast and the Furious 7. If I remember, I will try and get him to tell on that in an impromptu snack talk segment the story of when he attempted the killer combo in um, a gastropub near me. Um, And the winner in that epic battle may surprise you, or it may not, depending on how well you know Jack. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's snack talk, everyone. Bet you're all feeling pretty hungry after that snack talk segment. If this was any sort of professional operation and not ramshackle, perhaps this would have been a great time to segue on air to remind you all that we are brought to you by our good friends at HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Ingredients travel from the farm to your doorstep in under a week, so they always arrive fresh, all without a trip to the grocery store or the farmer's market. HelloFresh's chefs really know how to diversify their menu with seasonal recipes like salmon limon and pasta primavera. You may be asking yourself there, you know what, Dave? I am mightily hungry after Snack Talk, and I would like to join HelloFresh, see what they've got to offer me. How could I do that? Well... Look no further than HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and use code VOW16 while you're there. And not only will you get yourself that sweet HelloFresh subscription, but you'll also get yourself 16 free meals and up to three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash VOW16. Use the code VOW16. And you know what? Have yourself a bit of snack talk after that. Back to the show. Hey, Lee, uh, before you drop dead of the flu, uh, let's get into some thunder, shall we? Let's. 
Okay, this is Thunder, episode 55, from Lexington, Kentucky, dated 18th of March, 1999. And something I think I'm going to try and put in here every so often, Lee, because I think it's going to be uh, both interesting and maybe morbidly funny as time goes on is when I have the information, I'm going to give you the rating that this drew on the Superstation. Okay. Um. So this, and, and like, you know, you want to talk about... <sighs> Like, if you're in any way inclined towards being on Twitter, which you shouldn't be, really. Um, and you see ratings talk every week when the NXT ratings come out and when the Dynamite ratings come out. It really, when you look at this number from 1999 and think that the WCW, who were losing the war at this point, their B-show did a 3.3. Because of course it did. Yeah. Um, also on this, because this was a live Thunder, we have some dark matches listed. Uh, on cage match would you like to hear the dark matches for thunder this week go for it now bear in mind that a lot of these dark matches are like based on the way it's ordered on cage match i am to believe that these were before the live thunder because obviously they do a live thunder and then a taped thunder Mm -hmm. um so these dark matches are you know just to get the crowd warmed up so you'd imagine lee you'd put on something a bit interesting i'm guessing they didn't well, Lee, it was Scotty Riggs versus Jerry Flynn in the first dark match. How dare you disrespect Scotty Riggs like that? And in a Titanic clash that I'm I'm sure you are raging didn't make television, we had Wrath versus Enos Alert. Is Mike Enos. In a dark match. In a dark match. But it, because he was there, I felt like giving him the Enos alert. You know, it's been a while on the show. It has been Maybe some of the newer listeners have no idea. <laughs> we need to give them an Enos alert. Um, sadly, we didn't get to see the Enos this week. No. The Enos was covered. Um, anyway, on to Thunder 55, sir. Um, the fallout from Uncensored continues. And tonight also, we will have the beginning of a tournament. But more on that later. <laughs> Um, uh, in true WCW spirit, we learn during the opening uh, conversation between our commentary team that randomly on Nitro, given away for free with no build, was Nash and Hogan versus Flair and Goldberg. Which you want to talk about tag matches that could headline a pay per view yep. single handedly? I mean, look, yeah, why not give it away with no build on, on TV? One thing I will say is they didn't get they uh, th- there was a clear fuck finish in this one as they mentioned that Flair has walked out on Goldberg in that match. So does that mean Goldberg got pinned again? It certainly sounds that way. Um, Heenan vehemently defends Flair uh, for walking out. By the way, but now that it's if, like we were pretty sure based on what we remember from '99 and you know how the match, the cage match, played out at Uncensored. But how are you feeling now that after this show, it's cemented that they basically did a double turn in that world title match? If you stopped watching wrestling after um, the last pay-per-view, you, I mean, judging by the match, and I know it was like a heelish thing for Flair to win the way he did, but you would have no idea that they had, you know, played their biggest card in returning Hogan face. Yeah. 
because it just got totally downplayed. Instead of being if, instead of being this big, you know, you know, he's hooking up in the cage, he's doing all this. Like, no, they just didn't do that. And also at the same time, with the way they're talking about it on Thunder here, if you took if for whatever reason you took a month off watching WCW and you came back on this show, you would be so confused. Uh-huh. So did Goldberg team with a heel? I guess so. Against because a babyface Hogan? Like we will get into it, but like Flair is clearly a heel now, right? Uh-huh. And Hogan's clearly a face judging on his match. Yeah, so. his ma- his match and like you know, not so much like his promo is kind of like roughly the same rambly Hulk Hogan thing, which we'll talk about. But yeah, it's like I'll, I'll tell you what we'll wait. We'll wait till we get to them. Yeah, and yeah, we'll break, break it down a bit more. Hey, let's kick off the show right with Bobby Duncan Jr. versus Kenny Chaos. <laughs> And maybe we didn't have a proper Enos alert on this, but should we sa- signal the Chaos Klaxon? <laughs> I think not. No. I think not. No. Um, I mean, the biggest insult is that they say Kenny Chaos is a fine tag team wrestler. Yeah. I dispute that. Well, like, fine maybe in the way people from the UK and Ireland would use fine. Like... Mm. Fine, I guess. Like he technically is a tag team wrestler, as opposed to you know when the the tone of voice that these particular Americans said "fine" in suggests like exemplary, like some fine letter. Like he's a he's a fine man. He is. Yeah. yeah. Um, what What did you think of uh, Bobby Duncan Junior.'s new cowboy music? Uh, dreadful. But also, <laughs> the road has already owned this man. Yeah, he he's, like he is, he's looking rough. He's been on TV for what, like six months? It feels like, um, and he has aged. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, this is sure to be a fucking barn burner as they get into the ring, looking like they'd rather be anywhere else. Um, and I love it, Lee. Again, it's one of my popular talking points on Days of Thunder. Um, I am a big fan of the hot opener, and uh, I think the art of the the pay-per-view or TV opener is, is somewhat lost nowadays. Mm-hmm. And it was definitely lost this week because they put out two guys that no one gave a fuck about, and they started off this heatless match, not with like big power moves that these big guys would be capable of, but a lockup. Yep. I mean, you just ran through the two dark matches that got the crowd really pumped up, and then they bring out these two. So. Yeah. And uh, um, to, bar- to borrow a line from the Z-Man, Tom Zank, um, people dressed as chairs in the audience looking on aghast at mm-hmm. this. And I have to say, I don't think the crowd was that bad throughout the rest of the show. I, they just no. weren't into this. They just weren't given much. Like So the show starts off bad, it spikes crazily in the middle in terms of quality mm-hmm. and then falls off a fucking cliff again. So, like, I can't say that any of the... Like, it's a bad night crowd-wise, but not a bad crowd. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, Duncan gets knocked outside the ring because, of course, Lee, what we really needed 30 seconds into this particular match was a rest spot. Because it's not one of those he gets knocked out of the ring and the other guy follows him out and they start brawling, which I also hate. But it's he gets knocked out, knocked outside of the ring and takes a breather. Like who could possibly give a fuck? 
I'm too sick for this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting sick thinking about this. Nice looking suplex back into the ring, I guess. Uh, Do you Um, know what? That's one move I'll always pop for. The suplex from the apron in. Always looks good. And then a big power slam from Kenny Crap. Um, he misses a corner tackle to give Bobby Duncan an opening. Um, I love so Duncan comes off the ropes and he's trying to act like he's a house of fire and he does a, he does a big boot which Chaos doesn't even bump for. Nope. Like he just kind of casually steps to the side and I w- I would charitably describe it as a stagger. Uh huh. He just kind of falls yeah. Falls yeah. So Duncan's just like fuck this and he just clotheslines him. He's like right you're gonna you're gonna bump for this fuck. Um, then maybe, and it's not exactly a move that has like a litany of fantastic, memorable moments, but maybe the worst shoulder breaker I've ever seen for a two count here as well. Yeah. I mean, one, he stumbles and almost fucking kills the two of them. Yeah. And yeah, it's just very, very sloppy looking. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Bobby Duncan Jr. just ain't that good. No. And and you know what? From match number one, I think you were on that train. And not like it was anything hugely revelatory, but you were just like, this dude is too awkward and too green. I think they they try and sell it as, what what did they say? He brings more reckless abandon to the ring than anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Just say he's shit. Yeah. Um, I wrote then, because clearly like a couple of minutes into this, I had already lost my patience for this show. I wrote in all caps, a fucking chin lock rest hold. How dare you cunts? <laughs> they had they had barely done enough to earn a golf clap, let alone a, oh, these guys have really been going hard. We'll we'll let them do a rest hold to, to catch their bearings. Fuck off. Right before the finish as well. Yeah. Uh, slingshot elbow out of the corner for a two count. Uh, at this point, even Mike Tanay is ripping the piss out of Bobby Duncan being bad in the ring because every time he attempts a pin, they're like very close to the ropes mm-hmm. and they have to do the, instead of like just to kick out, they do the, the rope break thing. I think they put it down to inexperience, don't they? Yeah, yeah, I'll say. Um, So Chaos then briefly fires up, but uh, Duncan hits in a surprising moment for me, a skull-crushing finale. No, 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 no. He does not hit a skull-crushing finale. Okay. He hits the stroke. He hits, oh, does he? I thought he had a full Nelson in. No, it was just, it was basically the stroke. It was a forward... Oh, was um, it? I oh my my mistake. Well, in some ways that's funny. To be fair, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it, it, he he does the stroke a couple of months before, of course. Slapnuts himself comes in. Oh, can't wait! Can't wait! <laughs> We're just on the precipice. Uh, so then we have, um, I think, a new nadir for the IQ level of the B team. Dev, Dev, Dev. But before you get into it, can I just say? Fucking morons. The lot this of is... It is... Oh, my God. You know, we we, we talk a bit... Uh, there's a bit later on where I, I mention this as well. We'll get to it then. But uh, basically, the gist of it is Vince and Horace on Monday arguing about which one of them is the boss of black and white. Then Stevie and Horace arguing about the same thing later. Stevie lays him out. Disco comes in. Stevie tells Disco to go get Hogan to tell him to not be blowing smoke up his ass. Uh, then we have later on there's a match between Stevie and Horace where they're trying to air their beef Uh, Vince and a chair come out during that match Uh, Horace of course goes headfirst into the chair which knocks Vince off the apron Stevie rolls him up and wins Um, yeah dreadful shit 
Um, then we have at least something, you know, a little bit better in terms of like the, the maybe charisma level is the best way to put it. And that's Mean Gene with Kurt Hennig. Um, and I thought this was like, even though I thought that the show long angle they do with Hennig, I don't know how I feel about it. I thought this was a good little interview. I thought the interview was a little bit sloppy, but I do enjoy the little show long angle they've done with Henning, where Henning is like, right, I want a world title shot. I see Ric Flair as the mm-hmm. champ. I'm going to challenge Ric Flair. Yeah. It's a, it's a novel concept in 1999 wrestling that somebody comes out and just goes, I want a title shot. Yeah. You don't get, um, something you don't get enough in televised wrestling in the United States is like a show long through line. Mm hmm. You know, normally what you get is this match is coming up later and you might get a promo segment beforehand. But this was like set up for one match. Then the kind of like there's the the conflict between Hennig and Flair, which sets up the actual match that happens. Then you have the match. Mm -hmm. Um, So there is like an element of like it's a multi part story. And I'm not saying it was like fucking greatest writing in the history of wrestling television or anything, but just like the basic bones of something like that was really refreshing to me. Do you know what, Dave? It gave you a reason to be invested in the show. Yeah. Um, now, one well, one well, thing I will say is that, like, I suppose in kayfabe, they had literally told us ten minutes ago about how there's at least three major challengers already for Flair's title in Hogan, Goldberg, and Nash. So part of me is just like, but it also works perfectly for Hennig uh-huh. that, of course, he would be so full of himself as to think that he deserved to be front and center. I, I one thing I hated, and he's really starting to bother me. Bother me now on the shows is Mean Gene. He absolutely shits all over Henning and Wyndham as tag champs. Yeah, he's like, and oh. he tells them that he tells them that he needs to get to the back of the line. Yeah, basically, he's like, oh, you were just a tag champ. You you don't have any shot at the world title. Mm. <laughs> he says that he is the single greatest athlete wrestling has ever produced, and that, to be fair, I was going to say that's a big claim for Mean Gene. Uh, <laughs> Um, as this was several months before the debut of Kurt Angle, that's sti- that that at that point is still something that's a title that's open for debate. So you know, fair play, throwing his hat in the ring there. Um, he says, and this is cool. Again, you want to talk about exactly what you said, Lee, giving people a reason to stay tuned in. He says Flair has fifteen minutes to answer his challenge for the world heavyweight title tonight, and he said, I want you to remember, Flair, that I'm the man who closed the door on the four horsemen, which I think is like really good play on words because mm-hmm. he obviously literally and metaphorically closed the door on the horsemen. Except there's now another four horsemen. Yes, that that's besides the point. <laughs> um, he says. Uh, I ain't afraid of Flair and then doing the thing to like bait Flair he said and of course like you're the world champion you can't be afraid of me surely Um, which I really liked as well that classic oh you can beat me up yeah Yeah, like it wasn't I will totally take your point that it wasn't maybe the the smoothest promo in the world and I think some of that stiltedness is because of Mean Gene I I was just gonna say I think Mean Gene jumped in way too much as well yeah um but I, I liked it. Bit of bit of fire here from Hennig. Bit of kind of indignance and, like I said, setting up a, a show long story. Next up, Lee, you texted me during the week before I had watched this show, and you said there was a massive debut on Thunder. Major, this week. major debut. I think I said. And I said to myself, "Well, it can't be bigger than Lash Larue." But uh, who was it, my friend? It was the one and only L. Vampiro. 
Mm. Who Tanae reminds us had briefly appeared on Nitro the previous year. But this was his re-debut in the company and his debut on overall on Thunder. Yes. Uh, and he was facing the flat pack sovereign himself, Prince Ikea. Now, to me, there's not many more worse people you could put Vampiro against on the roster than Ikea if you want him to look impressive. Is this because as the flat pack sovereign, he has access to a variety of wooden boards that he could sharpen into a stake at a moment's notice? Didn't think of it that way, but that's very true. Yeah. Like, it'd be like putting him against, you know, a wrestler called El Garlico or something. Los Rosary Beads. <laughs> Los Rosary Beads. In our deathmatch promotion, can we have, like, a couple of Franciscan monks with, like, huge chains called Los Rosary Beads? I mean, we can now. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> um, but seriously, I think I, Ikea just will not bump. He doesn't give no. Vampiro any kind of shine in this match except yeah. for the finish. Yeah, He's just all about himself. Also, what is he as a character at this point? Like, if he's a babyface, no one gives a fuck enough about him uh-huh. to like be sympathetic uh, during the heat. Uh, if he's a heel... Uh, no one believes in his offense enough to think that Vampiro is in peril at any point. Mm-hmm. Like, even though a lot of this crowd will know next to nothing about Vampiro at this stage, they don't for a second believe he's in peril no. here. Well, you, you'll be excited to know that he's not too far away from being repackaged, so... Hmm. Great, because I, I think, I, if I remember correctly, that went famously well. Oh, listen, an all-time megastar. Yeah, indeed. Um... The vamp look in 1999 is great. Yes. He stands out so much on this yeah. roster. Yeah. I mean, he's a big dude. He like, deceptively big. So, so this is the thing I was going to say, like, because we're all, you know, and maybe people who weren't around in the 90s watching him uh, don't think about it this way. They know kind of latter-day vampiro. Farting on the microphone. Dude. Yeah, who, like, looks like a melted candle, who maybe the last cool thing he ever did was come out as, a like, an undead pope and get beaten to fucking death by Pentagon and Lucha Underground. But apart from that, like, hasn't really contributed much in a long, long time. Um, They don't know, like, how this guy, like you said, deceptively big and looking fucking jacked, baby. Uh-huh, he, he was looking big. He, he was in... Uh... He was in big time shape, shall we say? He he was after yeah. going on special um, a special diet. Yeah, but also like the the, the makeup, um, it's not as heavy as it will be within a couple of weeks. Yeah, he's not he's not gone full Day of the Dead. Yes, it's like the kind of like um, how would you put it? It's kind of like an old vaudeville clown yes. with the like the yeah. minimal eye makeup. Um, it's it's kind of like it's. It's misfitsy, obviously. It's spooky. Mm-hmm. Um, the tattoos, the the like the plain black uh, attire as well. Like it all looks great. So of course, what WCW do is instantly try and link them to Perry Saturn. Yes, uh, that's the that's the one thing that really took the air out of this. Uh-huh. Like as much as Prince IKEA tried to single handedly take the air out of this segment by himself, I'm still kind of like I'm super pumped that Vampiro is here. 
because I remember like young Dave, like even though there were definitely some angles that are like cringeworthy involving Vampiro, I think he's just kind of in that similar way that a person like Raven I is. I think the same, yeah. I think his presentation and his his physical charisma make him a very engaging presence in WCW. And like you said, Lee, he's just something different. Uh-huh what everyone else is doing and it makes me you know the perry saturn of it all it makes me wonder is part of why they're making perry saturn the way he has been because they had planned this interweaving him with vampire another misfits kind of group i'm guessing yeah ah Um, Tanae also notes that it's appropriate that he's on this show because he does originate from Thunder Bay, Ontario. And much as I do love that as, like, uh, a little fact, I'm also like, yeah, uh, yeah, it kind of, like, he's a guy that you should bill, like, um, you know, Thunder Rosa being billed from the graveyards of Tijuana. Like, you should definitely be billing him something like that, not just going, hey, guess what? yeah. Yeah, something like that. Um... It's yet another case, as we've already said, of Ikea being made to look like a chump. Do you remember he came back with all this kind of... The commentators were really like, oh, this is, you know, he's a blue chipper, basically. And then they just, within a couple of weeks, he was just losing, being beaten like a drum. And there's no sign of that being uh, over anytime soon. Um, It... (sighs) Ikea, he briefly fires up against Vamp. Vamp. Of course, this match is like 80% Vampiro offense, as it should be. Um, I love that at one point during a fire-up period, uh, Ikea goes for like a springboard and he just gets clotheslined out of midair. Mm-hmm. That was that was really cool. Um, he tries, uh, Vamp tries a plancha to the outside, but Ikea gives him like one of the worst looking chops I've ever seen when he's on the way down. Yes, yeah, because um, instead of chopping him in midair, he waits for Vampiro to land and then kind of looks at him and goes, ha! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, They go back into the ring and then straight back out again. In the middle of this, the lights on the ramp go red. And as soon as it cuts to the ramp and you see Saturn out with like, He's now got eye makeup as well as the leather daddy gear. He's there to stare down Vamp. Um, and I'm just so not... like I'm, I, My interest in Saturn has been killed. My interest in this feud before it's even begun is on the floor. Um, Vamp hits his version of a Michinoku driver he calls Nail on the Coffin. Um, he wins Ikea rightfully in the mud. Um, and I love a sign-off about Vampiro here from Tony absolutely iconic should have been on a t-shirt agility power confidence and he looks pretty darn weird to boot yeah I mean he's not wrong classic Shivani that um next up holy shit more uh b-team bullshit uh this is from tonight Brian Adams and Horace are backstage Horace is now just finding out that Brian Adams also believes himself to be in charge I think it is extremely funny, Lee, that the NWO, of whom Hulk Hogan is a member, uh-huh. make their B team, of whom Hulk Hogan's nephew is a member, look so bad that it has been literal weeks since Hogan laid out this plan on television that he was going to do this to the B team. And not only do none of them watch the show to have learned this, but even irrespective of that, even within kayfabe, they still haven't figured it out. I mean, they're morons. Like I said, they are absolute idiots. 
But like, I look I, again. It's re-legislating stuff that, like, we know it's because they were so kind of like paranoid about their own spots. They didn't want to share the share the credit with anybody or anything like that. Yada yada yada. But really, like, if you had your thinking cap on, which none of them did, it does not serve the brand NWO well to make these guys look as dumb and as stupid as they are. And I know you've got to have job guys in a stable. Like, everybody's got to have a Sean Spears. But, <laughs> you know, it's re- like, having this a, having is a whole real. Group this is, how, like, how are they not, like, tying their shoelaces together and falling over when they get up every day? Yeah, I mean, level. They're, the three, they're the three stooges of wrestling, except there's, like, five of them oh a hundred of them it feels like um but yeah basically brian adams says he's the leader of the black and white and he has reason to believe that he's about to be made the leader of the wolf pack yeah of course it makes complete sense this might make brian adams the stupidest of all of them because it's like this presuppose like immediately what jumped to mind was Hulk Hogan running back into the room with like nash and hall there and he's like not only did brian adams buy what I was selling so quickly but I decided I was going to try convince him of this as well and they all pissed themselves <laughs> laughing now look if the idea is for them to all be delusional idiots I mean success they've done it hmm uh, we get our tease for WCW Saturday night. We're going to have Bam Bam, Disco Inferno, Rick Steiner, Booker T versus the Cat. That's our new martial arts division champion, Booker T versus the Cat, by the way. Uh, Horseman versus Wyndham and Hennig rematch. This is a pretty stacked for, uh, for Saturday, Saturday night. night. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good show. And of course, the main event of that show being uh, Hudson and Tanae, who are referred to here as the Scoop Twins. Which I will not soon forget. I'm guessing because they both talk to uh, the dirt sheets. I guess so. I guess so. Um, next up, we have uh, Gene in the ring with our new champ, Ric Flair. And this is where the heel turn for us mm-hmm. in our chronology is solidified. Like, whatever about what they did on Monday, they didn't mention too much about that. But this is the first time we're seeing it. And our suspicions as to, you know, what the road ahead was based on how the cage match ended, I think, were confirmed here. Um, I roared laughing at a line from Tony here who said, it would appear that WCW is really coming together as an organization to support Ric Flair. I was like, literally four different people have challenged him for his belt since Sunday. <laughs> Well, I mean, two of them are NWO, but yes, do NWCW yeah. yeah. guys. Flair says, let's get things straight. Like him or not, he is the 14-time champ. Then he gets involved in like a weird, petty back and forth with a fan that has a Hogan sign. He keeps calling him Fat Boy and saying that, like, you know, Hogan's not the champ anymore. He is. Um, he, al- he also does the local sports team, Bollocks. Yeah. Uh, that's his. That's his point number three. Yeah. Point number two was uh, he is the most powerful man the business has ever seen, and I think Lee, we can all agree that whether storyline or uh, behind the scenes, concentrating as much power in a wrestling company as possible into one man has only ever paid off very well for everyone involved. Yeah, yeah I I can think of no times this has gone terribly wrong for anybody. Nope. Nope. Uh, like I said, sports team reference was his number three point. Uh, he's a Florida Gator and, you know, slagging off Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Flair, as I said, fully healed now because reasons. Um, he says he's been looking around for Scott Hall. He's not there. So he's officially 
announcing right now that he's stripping Scott Hall of the US title and he's kicking off a tournament. Lee, did you already forget that Scott Hall is the United States heavyweight champion? Yes. Yes, I did. Good stuff. Apparently WCW Um, did as well. Yeah. Um, He said that it's going to be a tournament WCW style. So God help us. It's going to be shite and they may have to reboot it halfway through. Um, He now calls out Kurt Hennig. He said, even though they have their differences, Flair has a great deal of respect for this man who quite notably betrayed him one year ago. (laughs) I did love when Flair calls him out and he says, uh, I think he says, let's get one thing clear. If you lay a hand on me, you're fired. Yeah. Which is, you know what? That was good. He says, um, you, can, you can't have me tonight, but you can have Hollywood Hogan. Few have pinned Hogan, and he thinks Hennig is the man to do it. Hennig says he's fine, as Hollywood betrayed him as well, but it's just a matter of time till he wipes the canvas with Flair's face. Flair reiterates his threat of firing him from earlier, and he said, he's just here tonight to look good and give orders, which I also thought was a good line. He said, three choices if you touch him, two other wrestling organizations or a trip home. At which point... Tony, who sat beside Bischoff in the booth many times when he gave away Raw results, goes, there are other wrestling companies? Uh, which I think even for some of the lines they would do about WWF comes off as real yeah. like inferiority complex now that they're losing. Uh-huh. Very funny. Um, What did you think of that segment? I mean, needlessly, Ric Flair is a heel again. Um <sighs> I mean, look, it's Ric Flair heel stuff. It's, you know, custom-made, jet-flying, fucking blah, blah, blah. My suit costs yeah, more than yeah. most people here learn in a year. Yeah, it's all, it, it's just, it's been done. He's he's playing the hits yeah. at this point, and, like, much as, you know, in isolation, you might get enjoyment out of it, the long-term, like, why the hell, right at the moment of triumph that, like, they have, badly, I will admit, been building and building to Flair being the man to dethrone Hogan that they immediately gone instead of giving us even a moment to enjoy this we're just turning him heel in order for him to win it like like I said before if they are now going to build to Goldberg going through the horseman okay let's get to that then if the, if the tag match on Nitro was to begin that story yeah uh, like Ultimately, we know why this all really is, and it's because after two and a half years, Hogan is just kind of a bit bored of being booed. Uh-huh. Like, that's that's ultimately why. Like, we can dance around the um, and- the intricacies of different little decisions, but, like, the the main motivator for this happening the way it is is because Hogan wants to be a face again. So, Hogan wants to be a face. Flair prefers being a heel. Kevin Nash is mm-hmm. booking and just goes, okay. Yeah, I want to whatever. keep these two guys happy so I keep getting paid to be Booker yeah. and don't mm-hmm. have to wrestle. Uh, we get Nitro footage of what lo- what looked like an absolute banger for the Cruiserweight title between Ray and Kidman that actually made me want to go back and watch it. I haven't yet, but I probably am going to. I will at some point uh, as well. I remember watching it before. It's very, very good. And then we get just a fabulous segment of television and that is a WCW World Cruiserweight title match between Rey Mysterio Jr. and Juventud Guerrera. Look, we guest starred a couple of weeks ago on um, 
must-see matches on the Must-See Monday project, talking about our love of openers and cruiserweights and and things like that. And this is just another slice of what makes this division so different because, as we said, this was a good crowd, but a crowd that had been killed to bits by the lack of action thus far on the programme. Again, we have had two matches, one of which was Bobby Duncan Jr. versus Kenny Chaos, and the other being Prince Ikea having to, like try and get some sort of reaction against a guy people didn't quite know yet. Um, This brings this crowd to life, brings them to their feet, and by the end of this match, you're like, this is a fucking hot crowd. What did you think of this one, buddy? I love this. Um, Ray as Cruiserweight champ. Like, I know he got elevated with the whole Nash feud and things like that, but this is Ray in his element. Just put him in there with guys he can wrestle with. And, I mean, look, Hoovy, we said before, like, even though he had a lot of experience in 98, he was still kind of feeling himself out at this point. Mm-hmm. By this point in 99, you can put him in with Rey Mysterio and they can just go in their sleep. Um, yeah, they, they start off at such a clip. Uh-huh. Like it's, it's, it's unlike anything on this show before or definitely like anything to follow. Yeah, oh, for 100%. Um, I think at this point, it's not a stretch to say that Rey Mysterio is easily the best wrestler in the company. Yeah, I don't think it's even particularly close because he's the only one that is both an unbelievable generational talent and is also being put in matches that allow him to show that because you do also have the likes of Malenko, Benoit and others who are excellent wrestlers and wrestlers wrestlers. Um, And even Bret Hart is in the company and, and people like that who definitely can go at an exceedingly high level but none of them are currently in a position that allows them to do that yeah. in singles and competition. It's right around this time where Ray and Kidman get into this mini feud where they keep trading the title back and forth and they eventually form a tag team, which is the beginnings of the Filthy Animals. Yeah. Um, so I'm very much into this era of Ray. I think, again, we have mentioned this before, how they did not make this guy into a fucking star the way WWE would. Yeah. Again, just something simple as they took the mask off him instead of making that mask so a yeah. money printing yeah. machine. Like, you know, say what you want about his WWE run, but the amount of money they have made off Rey Mysterio masks uh-huh. in 20 years is, I, I don't doubt, sickening. Yep. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, ah, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing, you know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. 
you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying... Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Um... I loved, there's a moment here where Ray, ha, or sorry, Hoovy has Ray on his shoulder in like a, a running power slam position. And in the middle of that, just paint brushes him with slaps <laughs> while he's up on his shoulder. Really good little bit. Uh, cannonball to the outside from Ray as we go to a break, which is, that is the perfect way to go to a break. Crazy outside dive, baby face, fired up. That's a, another um, thing WWE took from WCW. Yeah. Um... We come back to some lovely chops between the two of them. Uh, Ray does a guillotine leg drop on Hoovy as he's dangling through the uh, middle. And rope. again, it's a small thing, but I love. And Heenan, he probably doesn't want to show, but on the the guillotine leg drop, Heenan does his oh his big pop like yeah, and it's like the action just kind of catches him off guard. I really enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, and you know Heenan's a guy who. Again, his interest in what WCW is putting on is already starting to wane, but when something high quality comes up, Heenan puts on his working boots. Um, and he, you can tell, like, his enjoyment, his audible enjoyment of this match makes you enjoy it even more, I feel. Um, so then we do one of my other favorite spots in wrestling again. You know, I talk about my love of the swinging neckbreaker, but the bridge up out of a pin is also a firm favorite of mine. Uh, running Liger Bomb from Hoovy after some clubbing blows to set it up. Um, we get, oh, really cool, um, like a, a pop-up reversal into a face buster by Ray. 
Um, Hoovy flips to his feet off a German suplex. Absolutely breathless action. Uh, we get a huge Hoovy driver. Ray's foot is on the ropes uh, while Hoovy was... T- it was a good bit of storytelling because it was like he got his foot on the ropes because Hoovy was too busy jawing into the camera about how he was going to win so he didn't hook the leg. Uh-huh. That was a really good... Rather than just like just a random meaningless rope break with the foot like we had seen in the Bobby Duncan match, this was a... This, this, a, a, this was Hoovy was distracted by the camera in his face did not notice yeah. that he was so close to the ropes yeah and it pays into that like relative inexperience thing as well it, like it it all makes perfect sense um, Hoovy does his spot where he eats shit on a flip into the turnbuckle when his opponent isn't there always love that one um, Ray's wheelbarrow uh, is rever- wheelbarrow bulldog attempt is reversed and he gets crotched up on the rope Hoovy goes up with him uh, that's reversed by Ray and he hits one of the most lightning quick top rope hurricane runners I have ever seen in my life it is such a believable finish and thankfully it was I love it. it's one thing it, it's, I've only ever seen Ray Mysterio do this you know how Rob Van Damme would do the frog splash and he'd do the bounce into the pin yeah and he did it so, totally different to anybody else yeah Ray does the the, the runner from the corner and he does this little bounce into the pin and nobody yeah. else does it like him yeah it's it's so unique and it's what makes yeah. the move his it's one of those things that again something we talk about a lot some the difference between somebody who is just out there mechanically wrestling the way they've been told to and somebody who puts that extra level of thought into their craft uh-huh. Uh, and that's what separates a good wrestler from a great wrestler. Um, and that is Rey Mysterio to a T. Um, in perhaps the funniest joke WCW have ever told, they followed that match with Disco Inferno versus The Disciple. I mean, you want to talk about a chaser to a great match? Oof. Oh my God. I wrote here, you may have to do the legwork on this buddy if there was anything worth noting, because I wrote, I can't even begin to focus on this pedestrian, bottom-of-the-barrel, plodding horseshit. So, this match was put together because it's Hogan's ex-lackey against Hogan's new lackey. Yeah. That's the reason for this match, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, they also both do the same finisher. Yes. They both have very shit versions of the stunner. It's an awful match. It is. The, the um, highlight of the match for me was Bobby Heenan asking Tanay and Shivani if they were young up and coming wrestlers, who would they rather work for? The NWO, Black and White, the Wolfpack, mm. or WCW? And these two idiots actually considering it and putting some thought into their answers, only for Heenan to turn around and go, I'd work for all three. <laughs> What a man. He was obviously the most experienced worker in this match, Bobby Heenan. Um, I laughed at one point because Disciple tries to do some fiery clotheslines. And um, to put it mildly, there was less noise in the crowd in response to these clotheslines than there is in the vacuum of space. Um, Think about this. At this point, Ed Leslie has probably been wrestling for 17, 18 years. mm -hmm. Just think about that. Yeah, I despair, uh-huh. my friend. I despair. Um, Disco wins with the last dance. The chart buster name is officially dead. Yeah, so he kind of switched between the two for a while, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And now it's just the last this, dance. 
Yes, and is this time-wise, where does this line up with the last dance? Oh, of the bulls. Is this like a two years after? Yeah, the last dance was ninety-eight. Yeah, so he's <laughs> at least I suppose it's with the disco gimmick. He's behind the times. Um. Next up, from bad to fucking worse, Brian Adams versus Horace Hogan, my friend. I love at the start of this match, Tony Schiavone says, can you believe this is the second year of Thunder? It's like they only just realised. And let me tell you, Dave, as somebody who has watched every episode, <laughs> I can tell you, yes, I can't believe we are in the second year of Thunder. <laughs> no, I would say, I can't believe it's only the second year of Thunder. <laughs> I can't remember a time where this program wasn't a part of my weekly life and I hate it <laughs> it's what actually uh, earlier on today Connor you know watching something on YouTube and he said to me oh can you show me a, an Osprey Ricochet match don't ask me why but that's what he wanted to watch so I kind of looked through my phone and I found a video from 2016 uh, to be exact it was December 17th 2016 and a show in Dublin and as I was looking I was going oh my god that's actually the first time we sat next to each other at a show yeah was that show we had spoken a oh yeah we'd, we'd been to a couple of shows together but that was the first time we actually sat next to each other at a show yeah this was the this was the first OTT show with what would become a dreaded combination for I'm sure the people around us of you me and Johnny sitting beside each other <laughs> I could also see Brony in the shot as well, so... Yeah, Brony was there. I think that was, like, a late arrival from him that night. Um, yeah, that was a good night. Wasn't that the show that Mark went home because he was tired? No. the So that was the three-way on the first show I was ever asked. Oh. That was, like, Pete Dunn, Ryan Smile, and Osprey. That was the ladder match, yeah. This, w- this was the one that we saw, like, Osprey versus Ricochet. That was the year that that was the traveling match. Yes. And this was their, they their, had... their second match in that series. Yeah, they had what, like, Alan Forel at the time described it as better than the first uh-huh. one. Um, and my good friend Mark Robinson's review of the match was, my head hurts. <laughs> Excuse the cops. Um, yeah, so they had had the Super Juniors final that broke the internet that summer. Yeah. And this was their first match since then. Yeah. And they did yeah. all the spots and they built on, which they would then do continuously where they would yeah. build on with the spots and build on. Yes. So, yeah. They, for- they also, in this match, I will say, Mark was with us in our little cluster in that row that we would then always sit at at these shows. Uh-huh. And this match was so action-packed that Ricochet literally did a tope over us. Yes. Off the, like, the, the bar, bar behind platform us. behind us. Three rows behind over us. Over us to the yeah. floor. Three rows behind us, over us to the floor. Uh, and Mark reviewed it by saying, my head hurts. Yeah. Quite quite the characters, uh, Mark. Yeah. Just like... Uh, um, was it that year or was it early the following year? The oh, it was early the following year. The the elite show at the stadium, yeah. where um, Mark's favorite wrestler in the whole world for the preceding year had been Kenny Omega, and he'd never seen him in person. And he finally got to see him in person. And his review of that experience was, "My jaw is sore." 
that's some deep mark law for the, uh, the listeners oh my god love him love him yeah. um, <laughs> he's never going to hear this anyway so it's fine <laughs> um, right um, yeah dog shit clothesline over the top rope from Horace and then he tries a dive to the outside which nearly kills the two of them um, I was at this point in awe of world championship wrestling Lee, and I'll tell you why Okay. Within two matches that spanned a cumulative five minutes or so, they killed every <sighs> ounce of energy that existed in this building that the cruiserweights got. Like, this crowd was popping at the end of that. They were on their feet at the end of that cruiserweight title match. And they are dead as a fucking doornail. I mean, now. can you blame them? The four, the four no. wrestlers that come out after them are Disco the Disciple, Horace and Adams. It's fucking, it's the two faces of WCW. Like, it, it really is. You know, show up for five hours of TV and you might get one and a half matches that actually slap. Yeah, I just, awful. I mean, yeah. at this point, even the commentators are, are shitting all over the, the black and white guys, just saying they're morons. Yeah, and they're right. They're dead right. Um, Vince comes out, the ref is arguing with him, Adams interjects, but Vince slides what look like brass knucks under them all to Horace. Um, he then clips Adams in the head mid-back suplex attempt and wins. Uh, what a mess. And, uh, you know, kind of as you alluded to there, Lee, as everybody's bailing out of the ring and we go to the next segment, even Tony is kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> and, like They were trying to be like, well, I guess Vince has decided that maybe... Um, Horace is the lesser of two evils here. I don't let, know. Let let the geeks fight amongst themselves. Basically, there there is no because they all think they're in charge, and because they all want to be in charge, there's no motivation for any one of them to help another. And yet, they're the poor commentary team are trying to rationalise why we're seeing Vince come out and help one of them. I'm gonna go with the rationale that Vince is a moron, like the, the biggest of them all. Yeah, undoubtedly true in some ways. Um. Next up, we have uh, Rick Steiner sitting down in the locker room with Gene, talking about how he needs to get back to who he was 15 years ago, back when he was in his early 40s. Um, <laughs> talks about something you don't hear a lot in 1999, where he says he has a new striking coach. And then, Lee, you want to talk about our interest in something grinding to a halt, in pops Fit Finley. Now, I'm going to shock you here. I am all about Hardcore Fit Finley. Right. I am all about Hardcore Fit Finley, but I am not about this problem. No. This is fucking awful. Yeah. But if this is Finley in his fucking combat gear, having yeah. Hardcore Brawls, I'll, I'll give it a chance. Yeah. It's certainly more than him having TV title fucking snoozers a year in, ago. In his too tight singlet. Yeah. Um... He talks, he has lines in here, like, just really clumsily delivered stuff, and there's the the core of some good points in here, but it's the wrong vessel to deliver them. Like, he's talking about how the streets he grew up on were patrolled by armoured cars, and he'd walk down, and he wasn't in an armoured car. He was just walking down those those troubled streets. Um, but then, at one point, when he's challenging, so he's challenging Rick Steiner to a match on the, the coming Nitro. He as he's threatening him, he says, "I'll come to your house." At which I like, I'm just like, but he's not in his house. He's there. He's right in front maybe, of you. Maybe not. He's a brown breaker. Yeah, apparently a young brown breaker. 
fuck it. Like, and then the worst part is then later in the promo, he repeats it. And even Rick Steiner at that point is like, you don't have to come to my no, house. No, just go to the arena, you fucking sicko. <laughs> like, <laughs> I want, do you know what? If they shot for shot recreated the Randy um, Triple H. Triple H breaking. <laughs> I want them knocking on the door going, is Rick Steiner coming out to fight? You know exactly where I was going with that. That's that's why we spent too much time together, my friend. Um, um, did did uh, Finley say something about Steiner talking about killing squirrels? Some, yeah, I don't know, man. It was it sucked. I was listening to a promo about Rick Steiner talking about how he skinned fucking squirrels. and Proper psychopath Yeah, because, I mean, look at him. Yeah. yeah. You know, look, I'm not saying he doesn't have the look of a man who skins squirrels. <laughs> I would never say that. Um, uh, next up, we have Gene in the ring with Hogan. Uh, Lee, do you want to take a stab at what the fuck Hogan was saying here? Because for a guy who's like, you know, notably one of the most charismatic men in the history of the business... Boy howdy, on our entire run of Thunder, there is no one I have a harder time paying attention to speak than Hulk Hogan. Me and Big Kev were in the back with the pack, Jack. Yeah. That's all I got. (laughs) (laughs) Just Uh, fuck uh, it. Yeah, that's it. After that, he says something about 24-inch pythons, crap and Thunder. He, uh, he has a line about how Flair may be the champ, but I'm still the man, which, yeah, that's 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 an okay line. Um... Talks a bunch of shite. Uh, yeah, he's he going fucking, to beat Hang Hennig. on, hang on. Is he Michael Owen? Fucking Liverpool <laughs> are still the team to beat. They've just lost Michael. They're the team to beat. Well done, he's... Well done, he's 13. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fucking... Absolutely. One of, one of the most jarring segues of all time. Did you see Michael Owen's daughters on the Island, Island yes, this year? Yeah. yeah. Oh, fucking hell. We're all old. Somebody was asking me, yeah, yeah, well, that was one. Firstly, I felt very old that she, that he has like a 19-year-old daughter who's on, on Love Island now. But uh, my my um, Emma's brother, Alan, who listens to the show, and his partner were asking about her because, like, obviously I'm football guy. And I was <laughs> so, like, well... So you know all about his family. Yeah. I was like, well, I don't know anything about her, but if her father is anything to go by, she will prove herself within minutes to be a monumental idiot. Um, I don't know if that, that paid off at all because I was kind of just sitting in the corner playing my Retroid when it was on. Well, I mean, part- participation um, in Love Island itself would give credence yeah. to that theory. My my role when Love Island is on in the house is to kind of like ev- every so often look up from the Retroid and go, I hate all of these people. Um, and I stand by that. Jen will occasionally show me like highlight videos and it's just people mm. in bikinis and I'm like, okay. The- the the thing that the thing that's good about reality trash like that is that for my job it's handy to have a base understanding of what's going on so that like I can like have conversations with people that are in groups, um uh, about the stuff they're interested in, um but other than that it like it serves it definitely serves no intellectual purpose I'll tell you that, um chewing gum for the eyes is what a friend of mine yes. once described it as. Speaking of chewing gum for the eyes. Uh, the United States Heavyweight Title Tournament first round matchup. Here we're kicking off with a couple of big boys. It's Bam Bam Bigelow versus Meng. Some beef, beef slapping beef. Um, speaking of big boy, Meng is now in his recognizable big boy pants. Yes, he is. He's gone away from the tights he now. Will, he... I love the big. I, I love his big boy parachute pants, Lee. <laughs> big MC Hammer fan, Meng. Mm-hmm. 
You think he does? You actually, you think he does the ba- dance backstage? Yeah, yeah, he absolutely does every time. That's how he. That's how he gets himself like riled up for a match. Um, <laughs> um, what did you think of Tony? Absolutely shitting all over this tournament already by going. We don't know what's going on in this tournament. It could be double elimination. Yeah. We don't have any brackets. Nobody knows. Yeah, it's interesting how. The last show we recorded, Lee, was Rehash of the Champions, where there's an entire segment delivered by the least charismatic woman in the world, uh, where weeks ahead of its starting, the entire brackets for the Crockett Cup are laid uh-huh. out. Not only the entire brackets, but also, rankings. like, the current yes. rankings of tag teams. So, like, you are left under no illusion as to not only who is in the tournament, who is facing each other from the start, but also why everyone is facing each Uh other in less than five minutes. That's all it would take. That's all it would take. All I have to say is, here's your 16-man, 8-man, fucking 32, whatever it is, man tournament. We've organised it by picking names out of a hat. We've organised it by seeding them. We've organised it by throwing fucking darts at a board. I don't fucking care. Yep. Uh, He couldn't even do that. And the thing about it is, much as we love Bammer... We're 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 fans of the man. Um, this was not the opponent for him because, like, it was another case of the comedy no selling routine from Meng. Uh, that isn't like in his world, it's not comedic at all, but it's very funny to me. <laughs> I mean, this is just another case on this show of putting like with like. So we had Saturn with Vampiro, we had Disco yeah. with Disciple, we had Ray with Hoovy. Mm-hmm. Of course, they're going to put Meng with Bam Bam. Yeah. I just, I didn't write anything else about no, this. No, I mean, I can't, I can't even remember who won. Uh, Meng, Meng got the Tongan deck rip, except he went to do the Tongan deck That's rip right. and Bam Bam bumped way too quickly. That's and he right. lost the grip and still got the pin. It was just a very off match. They did just very, very off, very bad miscommunication on a couple of spots as well. Does not bode well. Not the people I like. I would again. You know, if I had, if I was booking the bam run, I would. N- I I would still have him fairly well protected at this stage. Like he's only been in the company five yeah, months, five, six five, months. Six yeah. months. Um, and he's already losing in first round matches against someone that they're not going to do anything with long term in Meng. Um. Anyway. Um, next up we have the main event and that is uh, a singles match pitting Hollywood Hulk Hogan with Horace against is this our first ever Hogan match on Thunder no because he was featured in the choke nap match which was one of the first shows yeah so I think I don't know if he's ever been in a singles match on Thunder that would be something worth looking back on I think that might have been a tag match um, he's not. He's certainly not somebody who he doesn't even feature will, on shows that regularly live. Not on Thunder, and if it is on Thunder, it is on the first Thunder of a taping. He's not sticking around for the second so one. So that's what I mean. Like it, it's a pretty big deal that they have Hogan in the main event here. Yeah, and like you want to look at we. I believe we talked about it on was it the Starcade episode where we talked about the how much Hogan was getting paid. Uh huh. Um for his deal um and actually if you want a huge breakdown of that contract um i i put it over again the lapsed fans bash at the beach 2000 series which i think just concluded 
um, their primer for the Bash at the Beach thing is a real look into that contract he had signed. Um, just absolutely eye-watering amounts of money per match, uh, per appearance. Uh, crazy, crazy shit. Um, but yes, a very rare art- artifact in uh, a Hollywood Hogan match on TV, a singles match, and it's Thunder as well as that. Um, which I believe, like, if I remember rightly, the kind of the number of pay-per-views he would do was no, was specifically stated yeah. in his contract. The number of Nitro matches he would do was also f- pretty closely numbered. But it was kind of like anything apart from Nitro or pay-per-views was kind of like sporadic or there was some language that was like he had to do more than none Un- per year. appearances or whatever it would have been, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I wrote here like as they're coming out, I was like, boy, this show peaked quick and then killed me, huh? Um, Tanae is really hammering home in this match how Hogan is now a face, in case you hadn't realised it. They're like, have you noticed that Hogan has reinvented himself by bringing back some of his old things from the before times? Yeah, they, they, they say the and, word Hulk a couple of times. Yeah, and I gotta say, Tanae really needs to consider that reinvention doesn't mean using all your old shit. Yeah, it doesn't, but he, I mean, he's definitely babyface Hogan here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say as well, for Hogan, he gave Hennig a surprising amount of this match. He always match, does. I thought. Him, himself and yeah. Hennig always had good matches. Um, if yeah. you go back and ever look at any of their 1990 stuff, um, yeah. and wasn't it Henning that was left in the rumble with him the year he won the first years he won it? I want to say um, so, yeah. But yeah, Hogan always thought highly of Henning. Maybe it's that AWA background. He obviously. Yeah. Well, look, Hennig was a widely respected guy anyway. He was a yeah, wrestler's you know, wrestler. You know Hogan. Hogan's a fucking piece yeah, of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that didn't necessarily <laughs> yeah, exactly. matter to Hogan. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that Hogan, you know, fresh off a of face torn, is in there working with Henning is no surprise. Um, I love that in the canon of old Hulk Hogan stuff, the cross arm breaker is considered part of that old canon, which is great stuff. Like, you don't necessarily think of Shooter Hogan. No, no, it was it, it, Itchy um, Ban Hogan. Yeah, this is true. Um, they go outside, and then it's time for weight belt shtick, but it's funny because the weight belt part of Ho- Hollywood Hogan matches used to go on for fucking ever, and they really condense it here because they don't want it to go on for so long that he's getting booed. Um, I thought that was fun. Um, so um, Hennig gets his chance to give him a whip as is par for the course. Uh, Hennig does a Hennig plex inside the ring, but Horace just like in plain view of the referee just punches yeah. Hennig in the stomach. Um, then we get Hogan hulking up like it's the old it days, got a pop. and you know it got, a pop. it got a pop. It always does. It always does. Um. Horace then tries and fails miserably to trip up Hennig and Hennig just has to keep running because like he would look like an idiot if he took the bump uh-huh. uh, gets really awkward Hulk Hogan has to kind of like I think he punches he him d- to d- knock him down oh that's it yeah uh, then he hits the leg drop of doom uh, and win uh, it is interesting that like so quickly after this he's immediately back there's no like degrees it's he's already playing to the crowd uh-huh. And doing the old favourites here. It's fully like, apart from the, the clothes, it is, this is Hulk Hogan again. This is Hulkamania. Yeah. He's not quite Hulk yet, but he's definitely a face. Yeah. And again, I had a moment to reflect here during his celebration about what a fucking, un- 
all aspects a completely misjudged double turn. It's so bad. I mean, if they yeah. were... The, this is, it's a double turn where the only people that got what they wanted out of it were the two men who were involved in the angle. Like, the business does not... Do, do, is not any no, better for it. Had, the company is be, not better for it. to be... What? If you were going to turn Hogan back face, it had to be a vicious, fucking horrible beatdown. Like, blood, take, breaking a leg, breaking... A, it had to be something horrible. It had to be... He had to be taken out. And he had to go away for two, three, four months. Yeah, it was also he had, he had to, to turn. Then, even if you if you take the the flare heel turn out of it, if you just wanted to turn Hogan babyface, it was a golden opportunity to reestablish the NWO as heels uh-huh. and as a threat. Uh-huh. Like you, like the. The NWO is basically Hogan and the Outsiders and a bunch of goofs. And even the Outsiders, you're just like, at this point, they're they're huge stars, but like Hogan's the only should one who's like... Do you know like, what it should have been? It should have been Nash powerbombing Hogan repeatedly or powerbombing him off the stage. Like, do you remember what he did to... Through the yeah, stage or something, off. yeah. yeah. Or, or Lex fucking destroying him with the torture. Like, he, he had to be taken out. Yeah. Yeah, or if you want to turn Flair heel and you take the Hogan thing out of it, at a golden opportunity to turn him heel would be to have him turn on David instead of David turn uh-huh. on him. Lock, you could have done that could, one month and done Hogan the next month. You could have month. Had, you know, the horseman lock Hogan in the cage and just beat the absolute yeah. piss out of him. Like, you, you could have separated this, had Flair do the heel uh-huh. turn against David two months ago, have Hogan baby faced by having the NWO kill him in the cage uh-huh. um last month and then you've done two memorable angles two shows in a row you still got what both men wanted except you've got two hot feuds coming exactly. out of it instead of one cold yeah. one you know and that's just literally come off the top of my head now in the last uh-huh. couple of minutes it's there. Not, it's not you know hard. what I mean yeah, I mean it's really no not. yeah well that's the who is it has that line always is that like people just overcomplicate wrestling uh-huh. It's not that fucking Look hard. Look at AEW. They do the simplest booking yeah. A to B to C. Yeah. Yes. They are absolutely, and the the, the the you know the current cycle and how quickly they've dropped some of the stuff from the pay-per-view would tell you they're nowhere near perfect, no. that's for sure. But when when their stuff hits, it's not overwrought, overcomplicated, overthought wrestling. It's basic shit that you would get on the territory days. Like, we are living in a world where in 2022, one of the hottest baby faces in the world is Eddie Kingston uh-huh. and that guy could be booked exactly as he has in the 70s or in the 80s in the territories and would have gotten over huge actually one thing I have to mention because god forbid I go one show without mentioning this have you yeah. seen the awful awful face turn that WWE just did to Edge yeah, with ju- Judgment yeah. Day and turning turning Finn Balor heel. And then apparently later on in the program, or maybe later on in that segment, they used the music for this new group uh, that has just kicked Edge out. And that music has Hedge's voice in it. Because, of course, it does. I mean, just... Yeah. People will shit all over WCW in the air we're covering. Modern day WWE uh, and, is worse. And... Look, rightfully yeah, so in the mo- modern case, WWE but yes. is worse. I don't care. It absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah. And because it, I, was, I mean, there's myriad reasons why. But Edge is not the answer to any question other than who the fuck is overrated. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's just, yeah. Look, we could spend a long time just bemoaning that stuff. I'm just thankful that I'm long since free of any desire to watch uh-huh. main roster WWE. Listen, my minor old like, wave that year ago, like unbelievable that like I couldn't even fathom and I think I've mentioned this point in a, in some way or other on this show before but this past weekend I can't imagine if you had gone back in time to tell me when I was 10 years old and just lived and breathed wrestling that there would be a time where I could access all WWE stuff and all their live shows at the tip of my fingers and there would be a weekend that had a pay-per-view and a takeover on it. And one, I would not watch a second of either of them live. Uh-huh. And two, I didn't even know there was a takeover until the night of it. That's yeah. just it it just shows how far down they yeah. have fallen. Yeah. And maybe in that latter case, one of our upcoming series on Patreon will uh re explore uh, our old relationship with a certain brand. Exactly. But you know, yeah. We'll leave that one there. Um so yeah, leg drop of doom. Um, Hogan jaws down the camera about how this is just the beginning. The belt is going back around his waist, and that's the end of thunder. Um, I will say, like again, it's it's misjudged this this thing, but I'm at least interested to see. Not in a way that would make me buy a pay per view if it was 1999, but I'm interested to see what ideas they think they have for this new babyface Hogan because I know where it goes. Uh-huh. <laughs> It's uh, going to um, be uh, the interesting journey. That's all I'll say. Yeah, 1999, guys. Buckle up. Not good. Oh, fuck, it's a, it, like, it is, it is a we bad, bad year. We will absolutely make the most of it, though. Yeah. Um, Lee, overall thoughts on Thunder 55 and your winners and losers? Ray Hoovy good. Everything else, shit. <laughs> yeah. I, d- I don't think it... Uh, I, I don't think it could be said much simpler than that. And that also reflects that that not only covers what you thought of the show, but that covers your winners and losers Absolutely. as well. Winners, Ray yeah. and Hoovy, losers, everyone, everyone else. <laughs> and us. Um, our finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borga. Seven matches, six clean finishes, which was pretty incredible. Um, and one interference leading directly to a finish. Um, thank you all so much for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. If you want more thunder in your life in between weeks where we do this podcast, you know where to go. It's patreon.com forward slash WCW Thunderpod. Drafts and drafts and um, rehash of the champions are your June shows in our off weeks. And there is plenty more dumb content where that came from. Uh, until next time on Days of Thunder, we shall see you soon. Thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me, Dave Ryan. Keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter at WCW Thunderpod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the Day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Follow the VOW network anywhere. Good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts than you can shake a stick at. Thanks. Can you hear the